Hey guys, most of you know that I'm one of the founders here at the Motherhood Anthology membership along with Jenny and Allison, but I wanted to let you know that I'm also one of the co-owners of Indie Print Co. And at Indie, we say that we're on a mission to revive the art of printing by means of beautifully crafted heirloom albums and fine art prints. Now through February the 7th, Indie is offering our studio sample sale. That means 40% off of heirloom and fine art sample albums and 20% off of our fine art prints and our matted sample albums. You don't need a code, you just need to go on our site and set up an account. So just go to IndiePrintCo.com and click on shop to see all the lovely products that we have there for you. Again, the sale will be offered until February the 7th, so head on over there today and check it out. beginning of the year, it's natural for us entrepreneurs and business owners to reflect on the previous year. What worked, what didn't work, what provided the most value, and what was simply not worth our time. As those reflections generate lists of successes and failures, next comes the sometimes daunting task of setting up and taking action steps to continue scaling our businesses into the next year. Where do we start? What exactly can we do to move the needle of success in our favor? It's oftentimes the actions that we take after reflecting and planning that truly determine the path over the next 12 months of our business. Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology Podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box and I'm your host with the collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. Today you're in for a real treat as Allison and Jenny sit down and chat about three action steps that they take at the beginning of each year to set themselves up for success. Everything from how to calculate your cost of doing business to filling your client calendar for the year. Jenny and Allison really do generously share exactly what has and has not worked for them and how to make it work for you. Now I present to you episode number 15 of the Motherhood Anthology Podcast. We are going to be talking about three things that you can do really this week to set your business up for a super successful 2023. Myself and Jenny are going to go into cost of doing business, which is so scary, Mm -hmm. incorporating memberships. And then we're going to talk about that challenge that I went live and shared and I'm doing myself. And hopefully by the end of this week, we can hear some big wins in this group from our members. Awesome. Awesome. That's actually on my to-do list this week also, because I need to do that too. Yeah. Like just I still haven't done it. And I'm like, yeah. oh God. like all of my clients are like, Hey, I need to book a session. I need to book a session. I need to reach out to the ones that I like want to make sure I have room for. Yeah. But you want to, <laughs> you want to have a back and join you. It's a really easy way to just like do a client touch, make sure that it's you yeah, know, you keep, keep, keep yourself like in the front of their mind. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. okay. Well, let's do, let's do cost of doing business and all of the fun numbers stuff first. Yes. That is that's the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it really does not have to be overwhelming. You know, it's really, truly what me and Jenny really love. I know that for a lot of people, it's like super scary, but it doesn't have to be. So yeah. Okay. So start Jenny, tell us, tell everybody for those that don't know and are brand new to photography, what a cost of doing business calculator spreadsheet is. Yeah. So, okay. So any business, this is really even not pertaining to photography. Like any business, when you open a business, you have to figure out what to charge. Right. And you have to figure out what you need to charge to make a profit. And that's pretty much like dumbing it down in the simplest way. 
is figuring out like what all of your expenses are, estimating your taxes, especially if you're newer and like you don't know where your tax bracket's going to lie or things like that, but estimating your personal income taxes that are going to come out of your pay. And then figuring out like what you need to profit, like what do you need to put in your pocket so that when you spend all these hours watching TMA things, talking to clients, shooting clients, editing clients, all those things, what do you want to make for that? And so I think people so often will really just throw numbers out there and think like, well, this is more than this person. It's less than this person. This makes sense. Like I'm just going to charge this number. And there's not really like a basis, right? For like why they picked it. We see that all the time. And if you're choosing like a really, really high number, it will likely work out. But sadly, more often than not, they're not choosing high enough numbers to do that. So our cost of doing business worksheet, there's, you can find them anywhere, but we have a really good one in the membership that Allison created, but you actually plug in every single expense your business will have every single um, cost of goods your business will have. So like expenses are like fixed expenses. And the thing about those is like, whether you are full-time and this is your full-time job, full-time income, you're doing nothing else, or you're very, very part-time, a lot of those expenses actually aren't going to change. You know, like your insurance, your Adobe memberships, your team A membership, things like that, camera equipment, those places don't really care if you're shooting two sessions a month or 10 sessions a month. And so you almost have to charge a little bit more, just like if you're looking at it from the expenses standpoint, if you are part-time. So a lot, I know a lot of people will use an excuse of, I don't need to charge that much because I'm part-time, but a lot of our expenses aren't that different. So that sheet is just going over like every single expense now Obviously, like Alice and I have studios. And so our expenses are going to be higher there from somebody who doesn't have a studio. And that takes up a lot of a chunk of our income. Client wardrobes can be a pretty big expense. What else would you say is like a really big expense that could go either way? I would say like if you if you have like a private field versus you're paying for permits, like I know, mm-hmm. you know, specifically in, in the city of Houston, there's a lot of parks that require permits. Versus if you're lucky enough to just have free property you can go to. All of that being said, though, I think that what people don't realize is that they're thinking like in the now and they need to be thinking in the three to five years in the future, because otherwise you're going to be constantly readjusting your prices and having to basically establish new clientele all the time. So even if you don't have a studio now, if you want one, start with numbers and act like you do have one. So, you know, for me, there was a stepping stone of renting a studio by the hour before I got my very first studio. And so I put the hourly studio rental into every single client's, like the cost of having that client only because whether or not they use the studio, I wanted to be able to have that and also start acting like I was paying for something to rent. And so that very quickly got me to a point that I could do, could have a studio. Same thing with a wardrobe. You know, if you don't have one now, but you're wanting to start like incorporating pieces, 
what I have done is I've looked at what I spent previous years and sort of decided like, is this going to be a year where I buy a lot of new pieces or is this going to be a year where I can just sort of like coast? And then I will account like one year it was $60 from every single session was allotted for buying new pieces of clothing. And that's a really good way to just start building that up. Um, sort of look towards your future instead of looking where you're at right now. Yes, because, you know, with everything, with SEO, with marketing, it just, if nothing else, it can take a few months at the very least to kind of get the snowball rolling. And so better to like overestimate and feel like you're charging way too much, which I 100% can tell you if you feel like that, you're not, you're 100% not, but better to feel like that than get the ball rolling, get some numbers that you feel like kind of give you a little profit. And then you have this entire client base that you've built and worked really hard to build up and market to that in a year or two, you realize I actually could not pay my bills. If I were doing, let's say six to 10 sessions a month as full-time, if I were doing 10 sessions a month and everybody paid this price, I couldn't pay our, our household bills on that. And so, um, or not even that, like aim higher. Like, obviously we don't want you to just be able to pay your bills. <laughs> you want to yeah. like live a little bit and like owning a business is like not for the week. And so you're working hard and you're putting yourself into it, especially owning a business that is also business, but creative. Like there's a lot that goes into that and you are putting like all of yourself into that. So like make a good income for it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think a a really good example of what you just said is I have always, well, not always, but since I got a good head on my shoulders with business, I've always (laughs) priced myself with the mindset of if something happened tomorrow, would I be able to sustain myself and my family? And so while you know, yes, I, it was always like my husband was working. I was working. We both contributed financially to the family and the bills and all of that. I didn't price myself taking that into consideration. I priced myself with the intentions of, I can do this on my own. And so, you know, when my husband decided to put his job last May, we could let go of that six figure salary and everything was okay because my prices were the way that they are. And I think that that's something that people don't really take seriously. Like whether you want it to be a like voluntary move, like it was for us where he left his career, or if it's something that like your husband loses their job unexpectedly or whatever, being priced at a point where you don't panic and have to readjust a lot of, a lot of the way that you live is important just Mm -hmm. for peace of mind. Yeah. Well, Matt, my husband uh, got laid off a month before COVID. We didn't even know like COVID was about to hit. So like he got laid off and I'm thinking, oh, we're good. Like no big deal. I've got my business. Like I was making a great income. We could live off that if we needed to. And then COVID hit. And so I think um, just being prepared for those things, like you just never know. Mm -hmm. And then when I got into my accident, I didn't leave my bed for eight weeks. And so I really, really was so thankful that I wasn't living, um, say paycheck to paycheck, even though we don't really have paychecks, but like client to client, you know, like I had a savings built up in my business at that time. So 
I didn't have to panic about when will I work again kind of thing. And like, you can't plan for accidents, you know, like you can be careful, but like things happen. Right. So we don't like people. The worst, the worst thing I feel like we can see that frustrates both of us, would you say, is like people with decent to really great work anywhere in that scale, working their butts off and like hardly making anything or like getting by. That is like, it's so sad. Yeah. You know, I always tell people you have to figure out what your put your pants on prices, right? Like (laughs) what makes it worth it to leave your family, your house, your comfort and take what's, what's that time worth. And Mm -hmm. you need to be real with that. Like what, you know, don't just accept the bare minimum, you know, demand more for yourself. And so, you know, a cost of doing business is going to be different for everybody. So for instance, you know, my studios in Houston, I have my cost of doing business is high. There's going to be some people that maybe live out like in a more rural area where like their cost of doing business, even if they have a studio and everything is much lower. So luxury there could be $1,200 where luxury in Houston is $3,000. And so that's why you cannot look at what other people are charging and base your prices off of that. You need to look at your own numbers and what you want to make as a salary. And really when you plug those into the calculator, numbers don't lie. So we see it very often where someone's like, well, it says I need to charge $1,200, but I'm just going to start out doing $800 for a session. And the harsh reality is, is if you go against what the numbers say, you are literally paying someone to take their pictures. You are not making money. And so when people join our membership, the very first thing that we do and say is, regardless of whether they're brand new or they're, they've been in business for 10 years, is run that cost of doing business calculator to be a hundred percent certain that you, your numbers are correct. Because I mean, I, I vividly remember someone saying like, no, 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 I've been in business for a long, long time. I know I'm good. And then they did the calculator and they were like, oh my gosh, I am not making what I thought I was. So tip number one, (laughs) do that. Yeah. I think people just too, like really don't realize like how all the little expenses add up. Like, like I said, like my biz, my biggest expenses on my profit and loss sheet are always my studio and my studio wardrobe. But even if you took those out, like there are a lot of little expenses that should be the same for almost every photographer. You know, like I said, insurance memberships, like subscriptions, Photoshop, Adobe, all that equipment. Um, you know, that doesn't change based on your location and where you are or like how often you work or how experienced you are. Like a lot of people will use, I think those three things, like if they're in a different location and whatnot, or how often they work, or if they're new, will use that as like a reason why they don't have to charge as much, but like your insurance not, is not different than mine. And your Adobe payment is not different than mine. (laughs) And so I think you are um, often like selling yourself short and not being like real about those expenses. So just like using this time at the first of the year to like, even if you feel like you are profitable and have done a recent cost of doing business, like check those expenses again and check and see what you're actually paying. Look over last year's P&L statement and see like, (laughs) this is embarrassing, but like, I'm always surprised when I pull up my P&L throughout the year and I'm like, oh, 
I spent that much on wardrobe this month. And like, granted, I do spend a lot on wardrobe and I've tried to like cut it down. But even when I feel like I'm not spending a lot, it, it adds up. It really adds up. And it's the same with any line item on there. So, yeah. And also, you know, there's going to be times where stuff that you thought was super consistent goes up. So for instance, with insurance, they called me to do an audit and part of your insurance is based off of your gross. <laughs> I hate when my insurance guy sends me this form. Yeah. Like, hey, and so out for the year and I'm like, mm, no, they yeah. Don't. And so it go, you know, I wasn't like, I think it was like, I don't know, $600 for the year. And then I got that nice little audit and suddenly it's like, well over a thousand dollars a year. So, you know, just keep those in mind that really the more successful that you are financially, sometimes prices go up on things. So keep it in mind. Yes. The more money they make, the more money you make, the more money you pay, it seems. Yes, exactly. Um, which is again, a great problem to have. So we want that problem for everybody. There is a piece of content in the membership of creating a capsule wardrobe for a thousand dollars. I think that's a super great place to start. I have said this many times before, but I would a hundred percent recommend doing quality over quantity because there are pieces that I spent a good amount of money on that are in my wardrobe for five years later, because they hold up to being worn and washed. So, you know, I think that honestly, that just depends on, on your own cost of doing business and where you're at. For me, I felt really comfortable saying that like $60 from every session could be allocated to wardrobe if needed. I'm trying to think back of how I started it like 10 years ago. I think what I was doing was at the time I had a $300 session fee and then no files or products or prints or anything were included in that. And so I think I had priced the files and products and everything to make sure that those alone hit my minimum cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. And then I took that $300 session fee every time I booked a client and either um, bought something that I just wanted or put it towards the studio wardrobe budget or I would book the client, get their like sizes and style and kind of like tones that they were going for and then buy stuff with their session fee that they paid me for. Oh, I did that too. Yeah. You're bringing back memories. I know. I I haven't done this in so long. That's a hard place to be in when you want to have a wardrobe, but obviously you're not going to have 20 different things in 10 different sizes right off the bat. So it's a really personal way you can work with those clients and give them like really, really stellar customer service. And just again, make sure that your cost of doing business, you're making what you need to make if you do spend all of that session fee. Okay. Okay, Somebody asked about cost of doing business calculations. If the price that let's say you put all your expenses, your desired salary, everything into your cost of doing business calculator, and it comes up way higher than the regular local market price. So you're not going to like me when I say this, but (laughs) Allison's like, I know what's coming. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, this is a problem everywhere. If I looked at all of the pricing of all the photographers around middle Tennessee, or even my entire state of Tennessee, if I looked at those prices and, and tried to see like, what should I charge based on that? I would be like, well, I am way overpriced. I can never charge these prices. Everybody is charging so much less than me. This is not a problem unique to any one particular place. Sadly, 
I would be shocked if photographers everywhere did not feel this way. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Like you put those numbers in, you're like, nobody's charging that. There's no way I could charge that. Everyone's charging way less. Like this won't work. The biggest advice I can give you is, first of all, you don't really know what everyone's charging and making because I would venture to guess that a lot of the people who are not on the very, very cheap to middle of the road end are not telling you their full prices. Like you don't know what they're actually making, what their clients are spending. It's just not available for you to know those numbers. And then number two, the best place you can be is to be different. So I talk about this a lot. Um, There's a book called The Purple Cow. I think we're going to do it for our book club that we're trying to start up, but it's one of my favorite business books. And it's literally like if you, the premise is if you pass by a bunch of fields of cows and they're all black and white, all black and white or brown, like you expect that you think that like, there's nothing remarkable about that. You are used to seeing black and white cows or brown cows. And like, that would just never like stand out in your mind. If you pass a field and you see a purple cow, it's been like 10 years since I've read this book. So I hope this is right. But if you're passing a field and you're like, oh, there's a purple cow in your brain, you're like, holy crap. Like, what is that? Like that stands out to you. That's Mm -hmm. remarkable. You want to know more about it. You're wondering like, what the heck is going on? And so it's the same like premise in business. Like the more you can do to not be like those cheaper photographers, the more you can do to be like, yeah, I am the highest price. What is this in France? Like in a mid-sized city, not near Paris, she said. Um, it, It takes work and it takes time, but the best thing you could do is like stand out and be not a fish in the pond with all the other fish that look the same. Well, and one thing that you have to remember as well is, okay, so in her question, she says that she can take on about 12 per month, right? Well, a lot of sessions. Yes. So if you are expecting to do 12 per month, but you are throwing your name in the pot with all of the other local photographers that are charging about the same, then you get lost in all of that. Where if you set yourself apart in client experience and like your art and your price, and all of a sudden you are only competing with three other people because you are the most expensive, then suddenly you only have to do two sessions a month to make what you were making in 12 sessions a month. And so your whole marketing changes, everything changes suddenly. And I think that that's the hardest thing for people to wrap their brain around is that, you know, if you are doing 12 sessions right now at $300, right? I could, that's, that was me at one point I was doing 12 sessions a month for $300. That's $3,600 a month. Or I just had a sale the other day for $4,000 for one client. So suddenly I don't have to do 12 clients a month. I can do one client a month. And so it, there's not that, I feel like people will raise their price, but they don't change their mindset of how many clients they have to serve per month. And so they're, they're immediately like, there's no way that I could, you know, reserve or book 12 families at this price. And you might be right, but you only need to really do two or three. It suddenly with your, when your prices change. Another question about like, uh, what do you recommend to keep your cost of goods at? So that's like what percentage, if a product costs you $50, 
well, how much do you mark that up kind of thing? And for me, this is, this varies. I would say 30% or less is like the max I would go, which is like three times because you want to account for, let's say that's a $50 product. If I charge $150 for it, $50 of that right off the bat of that $150 goes to buying the product. A third of it is going to go towards taxes and like general expenses and then $50 in your pocket. So that's like the bare minimum. Obviously, the lower you can go, the better. And for me, and I think Allison's probably the same way, like it kind of depends on the product. So framed fine art prints are really, really high for our cost. And so I am at about three or so, which is not, not high enough if somebody were to only buy one, but I have my pricing set up where you can't just buy one framed fine art print by itself. And she's the same way. So it partially depends on like making sure that you're not going over that 30%. Obviously less is better. And then also kind of depends on your pricing structure. So I say this all the time, but like if an eight by 10 costs you, say you're doing like regular photo paper, cheap eight by tens, $5, that's your cost. You can't, you still can't charge even $20 for it, which would be four times. So that would be 25%. If you charge $25, which you think that's still four times, that's great. Like that's way above your minimum. If a client came to you and ordered three of those, would that be a profitable session? Right. Absolutely not. But if that eight by 10 costs you $5 and you bundle them in a group of 10 for $20 each, and you say you can buy a group of 10 of these on top of $2,000 digital files, then okay, you can charge $20 each for them. So you can kind of see like how you can charge four times the cost, but like, it's kind of, you kind of can manipulate like really how it works out. Right. I did for a very long time and I'm bringing it back. I did grandparent prints where, you know, they could, they could do that. They could do a bundle on top of their digitals and people love these. And so you know, they are, um, I did like, I, I used to do five, five by sevens for $125 and they would add on multiple bundles of those because it's great to just be able to like give to the grandparents to put in, you know, the five by seven frame that they already have at their house. Mm-hmm. But like Jenny was saying, I'm not going to allow them to come in and me do a session and all of the work and then, then purchase one set of grandparent prints, I would cry. So your pricing has to be structured to where um, you don't even have to technically have minimums. Both myself and Jenny don't have minimums, but our pricing is structured to where it guides them to a minimum that we have for our business. Mm -hmm. Right. There's no way that you can configure buying X, Y, and Z for less than I need you to. And so it allows the client to feel like you're not putting a minimum on them and gives them some control but I'm making sure that I don't do any sessions where I'm making under my cost of doing business. Right. Kim asked in the live, what bookkeeping software we use. I know you like QuickBooks. I love 17 hats. It has not done me wrong yet. I know (laughs) we're like, it's not, it's not good enough. I literally am a bookkeeping like fiend. I will do it weekly. If I go a week or two without doing my book stressed. And so I watch that like a hawk. It's connected to my bank account, my business bank account. And so I see everything that I'm spending and I categorize it right away. 
everything that comes in and that gets categorized and like, you know, linked to a client's invoice. And then I can run a PL profit and loss for like the month, the quarter, the year to do my taxes. I can run monthly sales tax reports. So I have to collect sales tax and pay that monthly to our state. And so I can do all of that through there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I use QuickBooks. I switched <laughs> over whenever I became an LLC S Corp because you have to have a balance sheet and other reports to provide. And 17 hats does not give you those. Yeah. <laughs> I have a bookkeeper and he does all of that for me. And so he set me up with QuickBooks and I do like being able to pull more detailed reports and then also be able to like, like I'm able to pull in and I can, you know, see how many memberships I did or this and that. So I do like it. I don't think that I would have switched had I not needed to for how my business was structured, but 17 hats is great. QuickBooks is also great. <laughs> yeah. I think the most important thing is that you are doing it. Number one, like either you're doing it or you're hiring somebody to do it. If you don't feel comfortable doing your books, there are bookkeepers like Allison uses. Um, there are bookkeepers that you can hire. Um, CPAs will like either do your books or have like people that they work with that do your books. Um, you can have somebody do that every week or every month for you. And then even if you are having somebody do that, like Allison said, like still look through it. Like don't get to the end of the year and look at your books and be like, wow, I shot 175 sessions and I profited 10 grand this year. Right. Like you don't want to get to, you don't want to start now, get to December and realize that. And so even if you are not doing your bookkeeping, even if you want somebody else to be responsible for it and you're not hundred percent sure about how to do it the right way, don't like turn your back on it. Like those numbers are what helps your business move forward. And you want to get comfortable with that and like comfortable with like seeing them and knowing how to change things up if something's not working. Yeah. Basically don't be an ostrich with your head in the sand. Like, you know, even if like me, I'm hands off with my books, I have my bookkeeper that does it weekly for me. And I have a CPA that is my taxes, but I'm still in there constantly looking at profit and loss, constantly seeing where I'm at, looking at my balance sheet, all of that so that I'm not just, you know, over here doing whatever and not realizing like, oh, insurance went up. I need to adjust something. Or, you know, when, when framing prices went up, you know, if I just kept ordering stuff and not like adjusting that I would have been in the hole on frames. So it's really important that even if you let go of some things and outsource it, you know, still look at it every month. Okay. Let's talk about memberships because that is the, um, so we did cost of doing business and let's talk about memberships because that can create fantastic predictability in your future schedule and how many sessions you're doing for the year. I think that, yeah, memberships for me have been fantastic because you can always count on them. And then you can just sort of fill fill the rest of your calendar with last minute things, stuff that's, you know, single sessions that are scheduled. So, okay, Jenny, talk about memberships. (laughs) Yeah. So I will be totally honest with you. There was a year, maybe, maybe like two years into my business, three years into my business that I had but like I had a really great fall. I had a great December. I was killing it. I paid taxes 
or set aside, like, no, I must've sent in quarterly taxes. I don't know. Anyways, I got to January and typically January, February is like a slower time of the month for family, baby, children's photographers, right? I get to January and it was either 400 or $600 that I had in my business bank account. And I, and my rent, my studio rent was 800 at the time, something like that. And I was like, oh, this is not good. Like I worked like crazy my entire fall and booked a bunch of fall family sessions, but like I had been doing nothing to ensure that like my calendar was more steady year round. And I had kind of like fallen into the trap of, well, everybody says January's dead. And so like, that's normal, but like, I didn't want to be in a position where I only had a few hundred dollars, had studio rent to pay and didn't know, like there was nothing on my future books. And so I felt like, great. I did great in the fall, but like, what does that matter if I can't make a living in January? And so I decided that instead of the typical like one year baby plan, which is really common. Everybody does that. Like everybody knows what that is. I was going to do a membership, which you could start at any session, any age, any time, and basically like sign up to do X number of sessions per year. So a lot of people do use those as a baby plan. Like clients will sign up for a membership and do maternity, newborn, and one year, say, if they do three, I would say it's more common than not that they're using it as like a baby's first year plan. But I definitely have families who are like, well, I know I want to do like a spring session and a fall session. So like we might as well do a membership and implementing that. God, it's been probably 10 years now since I've been doing memberships and implementing that. Like I can look at my calendar. I don't typically pre-schedule mine. I think Allison does. So they're like on her calendar, like on set dates. But I know that like I have... X babies being born. I have maternity sessions coming up for memberships that booked, you know, two months ago. I've got all the newborns that I had last year. I can look and say like, those are, you know, 70% are membership babies. So like I can follow up and see if they want to book their six month or one year session. And that kind of gives your calendar a more year round steady feel especially if you're doing maternity newborn baby, like there's no reason that you should not have like a more steady year round client booking. Yes. And I think that for me and my business, I, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, I've, I don't know like what my schedule is going to look like in the fall. And for me, I would much rather go ahead and know that I'm going to have, you know, let's say like my, for instance, my October of 2023, I have one spot left. That's it. So I would much rather know that so that I can have the predictability of that. So it's, I know that sometimes people have kids that are like in sports or doing things. I would much rather know what what my calendar is, know what it's going to be so that I don't have the stress of trying to like be in a million places at once. I would personally rather know like, okay, for, well, for me, specifically, I travel back to Texas. So I know like this week I'm going to be in Texas. I can plan ahead for that. If my kids have something that's going on, my husband's going to be there. It's going to be okay. And so that's a trade-off for me. I would much rather have it like planned out versus 
the last minute stressing of like, oh, I've got 10 inquiries. They all want family sessions and I'm trying to plug them in last minute while I'm editing all of my sessions from September. It's just too much, too much stress. Um, and like Jenny said, I do pre pre book everything. So if they inquire for, let's say a membership, we'll go ahead and schedule their maternity and newborn. And then I use 17 hats for all of that. So I will set a to-do to follow up with them for like a six month, one year. So for instance, we have a client, it's Monette's client and she did a, did her maternity and newborn. And so I just reached out and said, Hey, I know you wanted, you know, a first birthday session. Let's go ahead and get that scheduled. And did you want to add on a session at like six to eight months in the spring. They're so chunky and cute at that age. And so she upgraded from three mem- three sessions to four, and we've got all of that done. So, you know, we are already booking our fall out and that's nice because then once all of the memberships are done, let's say that we have, you know, I usually have like six Monette, you know, just depends on the month, but then that gives us like that's our core. And then from there we can book those single sessions and then be full when we're full. Yeah. The other thing that memberships have done, not financially, but like for the health of my business is I have learned early on that I love working with repeat clients. It's just, it's easier. Number one, you're not having to like, there's like a, this is true in all business, but they always say like, it's easier to keep business and keep repeat clients than it is to go out and get new business. So like the more you can keep your clients and have them keep coming back, the less work you actually have to do. But for me, like being such a introvert, like when I look at my calendar and there are like sessions on my calendar for the week that I'm like, Oh my God, these two are new clients. These two are repeat clients. I'm so much more anxious about the new client sessions and meeting new people and new clients because like, for me, I just, I don't like that. Like I work so much better and I'm so much happier when I already like go into a situation where like we've met before. So to me, like I would much rather book one client for up to three to four sessions in a year and a half. I do mine over 18 months, then have to book four separate clients to make that same income, give or take. And so if nothing else, just for that reason, it is so nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's honestly a good segue into our last point um, of things that you can do to have a successful 2023. I touched on this in the live the other day inside the community, but reaching out to past clients to invite them back. I know that, you know, for memberships, that's easy because they've already paid for it. But even outside of that, like what Jenny said, they are already used to you. They have like a connection with you. They understand the program. There's going to be no question when they get their gallery of like, wait, what? Right. You don't have that. Yeah. Like clients (laughs) like predictability, just like we do. And, you know, perfect example. um, I had a past client reach out and say that she was pregnant again because I'm traveling back to Texas, like I, I have to just max out at a certain number. And so I did not have room for her maternity session. And she literally flew out to North Carolina because she was adamant that they already had a connection with me, especially her husband. And they already are like feeling awkward in front of the camera and they know how a session with me is. And so it was worth it. So that's the same, like, that's what we want to cultivate and like really 
nurture and love on is the fact that, you know, so many of these clients wind up feeling like friends and just like we love working with them, they also love working with us. And so if you are at a point right now, it's January 17th and you're saying to yourself, oh my gosh, like I need to fill my months. I need to, you know, like, what am I doing? It's too slow. You can literally tap into your clients from last year, figure out what newborns are turning one, when figure out if someone could really need like a six to eight month session. We all know they're so cute at that age. Um, reach back out to people and say, Hey, do you want to go ahead and get your annual family photos scheduled right now? You've got priority on my calendar and you'll be surprised at how many people say, Oh, man, you know, that was like on my list, but it just wasn't going to happen. Thank you for reaching out. Like, yes, let's do it. You know, I set a challenge up in the, in the community for people to do that. I'm currently doing it. Jenny's about to start it. I started reaching back out to past membership clients and had another client book another membership for a baby that's not even born yet or not even conceived yet, but she's like, it's going to happen this year. So she did. (laughs) Those are my favorite clients. I'm like, okay, wow. First of all, that is impressive. Tell me about how it is to have your body work like that. And two, like, okay, yes. Like you are my favorites. Yes. Yes. So they, like, you have to just believe that you are doing them a service by reaching out and and giving them that ask. You're taking something off their plate. You're ensuring that they get a date that they really need because everyone's schedule is busy. I have a lot of doctors that hire me and it's so nice for them to be able to say, okay, let's go ahead and schedule this session. I had one um, in April and I'm going to go ahead and, and put no patients on that day. And so that's easier for them versus them thinking last minute, oh my gosh, I have to schedule pictures. And then them realizing like my calendar is full on the days that they don't have patience and it's now stressful. So if you have not done that yet, I highly recommend, um, you know, looking at your clients from last year, even the year before, and just reaching out, making, you know, a connection with them and offering up your calendar before you really start to promote it to new clients. I, I think you'll be surprised with how many people say yes, please. Yep. If you've done like model sessions, if you have done any kind of like mini session, anybody who you have access to, you can send them this email. It doesn't have to be like a past full paying client. Like if you photographed them before, send the email. Right. In the membership, there is a whole section on creating a motherhood event. So that is an event that can get you great marketing, that can get you great collaborations with local businesses where your ideal client does shop. And then you invite these moms back that maybe maybe won't ever spend what your full prices are, but because it's an event and it's a volume thing, you can charge less. And so then you have those beautiful pictures for your portfolio. You've got all the stuff that you can use in stories and blog posts and in everything marketing. And then you've also collaborated very intentionally with local businesses where your ideal clients do shop. And then after the event, you're left with a bunch of things that are going to like really propel your business forward. I also, whenever I was doing my motherhood events, I did a um, giveaway for, for a spot at the event. And then I think I also included like a matted album for the winner, but that I I would always have thousands of comments on that post as entries. Mm -hmm. And that was really fantastic in spreading my name. And so, you know, 
it cost me a spot valued at 350 but in return i had so many inquiries because of all the tags yeah you can totally like figure out ways to give and like do things for free but make it work for you like tenfold back. So as long as you're getting like a great benefit out of it, it's totally okay to do those things. Yep. Um, you know, and somebody asked about Santa sessions, like, would you send that email to the emails that you got just shooting that? And like, yes, if you have permission to, I'm assuming since they gave you your, gave you their email, you have permission to contact them. Um, you could set up a segment on your email list. That's just for those people and say like, are you like send them that email and then let them unsubscribe if they don't want to be on there. Um, but yeah, I would, I, if you are struggling to book or need some sessions or trying to get your name out there, I would not hesitate to send that email. And there's a template in the membership for that specifically, or you can make it up on your own if you're not in membership, but you should also join us, (laughs) but you should send that email to anybody and everybody. Yep. I agree. The worst they can do is either say, no, we're not interested at this time or not respond. I really have to tell myself, like, what is the worst that will happen if I try this or this? And like, usually, usually it's not that bad. In my head, it's really bad. But in reality, (laughs) it's usually not that bad. Like, what's the worst that's going to (laughs) happen? Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for everybody that has joined us today. A quick reminder that membership is open right now. We, we always feel like we are the never ending people saying that, but there's always people that miss the enrollment. So we're trying very hard to make sure that everybody knows that you can come and join us right now. It's $45 a month and there's no contract and there's almost five years of past content in there. And a lot of the things that we talked about today, it's just like the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of things inside of the membership that can help you really implement everything. So we hope and we can also help you more one-on-one membership too, like for any of those things. So I love that about membership is like you post in that group in the private group and like we can dig down deep. Yes. Get some one-on-one help. Yep. So Jenny, it was a pleasure as always. Yes. Good to see you. (laughs) All right. See you guys later. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you, Jenny and Allison for being such amazing cheerleaders to everyone around you. The easily actionable steps shared with you today, the listener, may be exactly what you need to scale your business in 2023. Growth as an industry truly happens when we lock arms and learn from one another, and that's one of the things that I love most about TMA. If you're enjoying this podcast and don't mind, we sure would appreciate it if you left us a rating and a review. We're loving bringing you these episodes every week, and your feedback helps us to make sure that we're providing the greatest value for your time spent listening. After all, your time is valuable, and we can't thank you enough for choosing to spend it with us. Will Rogers once said, if you want to be successful, it's just this simple. Know what you're doing, love what you're doing, and believe in what you're doing. And with that, from Ireland's to yours, until next time, friends.